welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a fabulous returning guest. We don't have many guys on the show, but I really love this particular guy and I wanted to give him another invite to come back on the show. His name is Terrain. He's a coach. So welcome, Terrain. Thank you, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be back and I'm excited for our conversation today. And today we've decided we're going to talk about success in love because quite often we as we all know <laughs> relationships are usually our most challenging thing to get right aren't they in our adult lives oh yes especially the romantic side it seems that we're trying to figure it out and we want to find love in all the right places but many of us have been finding it in all the wrong places so hopefully we can share some success stories that'd be great so terrain over to you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself to start off with Absolutely. So first and foremost, thank you, Lynn, for the opportunity. It's fantastic to be back. To all the listeners out there, my name is Terrain. I am a podcast host. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I help at-risk women find success in the three types of relationships, personal, professional, and romantic. And I'm here today to share some of the success stories and success tips. Excellent. So Let's start off with um, what typically do you attract in terms of clients as regards the challenges that they face initially? Yeah, so many of the women that I work with, they're either living at the poverty line, like in here in Canada, the average income for, let's say, um, the average man is between forty-two to 45000 For women, average is a little bit lower than that. So many of these women are probably in the $30,000 range when it comes to their income. So I'm helping women who are near poverty, as well as women who've been abused or harmed in some way, either physically, mentally, verbally, or emotionally, and financially, which is a big one in recent years. So those are the type of people that I attract as clients and that I continue to work with. Bob, bless you for that. It's a fantastic job that you're doing. I really honor and commend you for that. Because it takes a lot of care and compassion in terms of our nature as human beings to get involved in that sort of work, doesn't it? It does. And the interesting thing about what I do, at least from my perspective, is that many of the women that I work with, they've been harmed by men. So these are people that look like me, walk like me, talk like me. And to gain their trust, you have to be very um, genuine and very sympathetic, in some cases, empathetic. So it does take a lot out of you, but the rewards are so great when you find when you help them find success. So let's let's on a cheerful note, talk about some success stories. So let's talk about, you know, what typically has been an issue for a particular person and then what did they have to overcome to achieve success in love? Absolutely. So some of the background of these clients, as, as, we, as we mentioned earlier, they're looking for the success. So one of the beautiful things is when they find success, they're able to trust the other gender again. They're able to fall in love 
again, many of my clients are all over the age of 50, 55. So you have people in later years who sometimes, and we've probably experienced this as well, Lynn, is we think love has, has, has an expiry. Well, I'm over 40 and I can't find love again. That's for the 20-year-olds, right? Yeah. No, we can find it at any age. So that's a success story in itself, helping people to dispel that notion and saying that, yes, you can be 50, 50, 55, 60, 70. You can be a thousand years old and love is for you. The butterflies in your stomach don't ever go away. That's true. You know what? My nan on my father's side got remarried at the age of 77. So all good. (laughs) Absolutely. I think I'm going to be maybe if I don't get married now, even though I'm trying to figure it all out myself. Definitely 70s, 80s. Hell, if I live to be a thousand years old, I'm going to be walking down an aisle with two robotic legs. I don't care how I make it work. Oh, bless you. And you'll be a fantastic catch. For, and some woman is going to be very, very lucky to have you in her life. I'm hoping so. You know, um, it's interesting that the dynamic between men and women, it's it's ultimately we all want the same thing. It's just how about how we go about it. That's the difference between men and women. So once we figure that out, you can definitely find success because the person you want is out there. So let's prepare you to go find that person and live your version of happily ever after. Absolutely. So a lot of your work then obviously revolves around trust. So how do you embark on that journey with your your clients that you work with? Well, I show them how it looks when it works. Um, I'm surrounded in my 20s. I wasn't really surrounded by successful marriages. But now later on in my life, I'm surrounded by it all the time because I've made changes. So what I do to help the women along the road is to show them what I've done and the success that has led to, and to let them know that the success that I found isn't age-based, it's personality and confidence-based. So once they begin to understand that, that's when they realize they say, hey, yeah, you know what? Train's able to get a long-term relationship, so can I. Um, He's able to do this, so can I. And they're getting it from the male perspective. So interesting enough, when they'll say things like, okay, what if I wear this outfit? What if I wear that? And I'm like, yeah, like that's what you want, right? Like you want to be visually appealing and then your confidence is going to show. So it's interesting to see the type of questions they ask once their defense is down and they're like, yes, I can do this. And I have a man who's telling me that I can do this because he's given me what men look for. Absolutely. Because um. Quite often, you know, and I, I went through this phase myself. Um, if you've been through it, uh, harm at the hands of a man, you know, your guards up, your your hearts, you know, firmly behind locked doors, <laughs> and you you don't want to let anybody in, and uh, you know, uh, you know, because of that fear of being hurt again. So it's it's also about that energy that you're exuding isn't it it's also about you know being open to having and attracting that right relationship for yourself it is a bad relationship is like a hot stove like you've ever put your hand on a hot stove and burned it you begin to second guess every time you're near that stove and that's the same thing when it comes to relationships so that's the example that i would give to them but you're absolutely right lynn like when you've been harmed in such an intimate setting as a relationship, it can stay with you for a long time. But on the flip side is that you can definitely work to get over it and work through it, which is a plus. So what is one of the ways do you think as in terms of tips that you've got to offer terrain that we can learn to trust again as women? First and foremost, know the type of person you are. That will allow you to take a moment and say, 
okay, as of right now, I don't want a man, woman, or whatever it is. Um, just say that, okay, who am I? I'm terrain. What does terrain represent? And then you begin to fulfill that. Because if someone were to ask you, okay, tell me about yourself, you can't say, well, I'm terrain and I have this job and things like that. The job doesn't define you. Who are you? Strip away the job, strip away the car, strip away the house. That's the first step. The second step is to understand the type of person you want. As you get older in age, you don't have time to waste. Yeah, in your 20s and your teens, you can date a thousand men and a thousand women and you can go on a million dates and eat for free for two years. But in your 30s and your 40s, you definitely can't do that. So I give them uh, a checklist and say, okay, here's a list. Give me five things that you don't want the person to be because it's always easier for people in general to give us what they don't want versus what they want. And then I go from there. Now, that's a very, very, very interesting point because I've had the same feedback from my clients as well is that it's easier for them to say what they don't want rather than what they want. But once you've define what they don't want it's easy then to look at the opposite of that to get clear about what they do want you're absolutely right like someone will say that terrain um let's say for example some men will say terrain i don't want um, a woman that has kids okay perfect i don't want a woman that is over 50 okay fine everyone has a preference then on flip side women will say that i want a man i don't want a man that's under six feet and not making six figures Perfect. So the opposite of that is you want a man that's over six feet. You want a man that earns six figures for the men out there. You want a woman that's probably in her twenties or thirties and you want her not to have any children. So we get to understand the preferences, but one thing I always highlight to them is make sure the preference isn't a prison, meaning that it's locking you away from being able to find someone because you're so strict and specific on your preference. Absolutely. Such as the height thing, for example, you know, it's very easy, I think, for women, especially if they are tall themselves, to think automatically, I, I need or want a man that's taller than me. But they're dismissing, you know, a whole, whole host of probably fantastic men just on that alone that could be a great match for them otherwise. Oh, yeah. I told one of my friends once I asked her, I was okay, um, what's the, I asked her the type of men that she wants, right? And she listed, she's like, well, he has to be... Um, this skin color, for example. I was like, okay, perfect. Is that the most important thing? Yeah, she said it's top two. And I said, okay, so would you date would you date a homeless man that was that skin color? She said no. So I was like, okay. So money is more important because if the skin color was the most important thing, you can date someone that was homeless. So it's always interesting to test their preference and see how far they're going to stand by it. Yeah. And I think it's it's more about how a, a guy makes you feel from a woman's perspective and than how they actually look because they could look drop dead gorgeous but treat you like shit <laughs> and you know oh, yeah. what would you rather have in a relationship a guy that's you know looks really gorgeous that you think yeah he's really hot I'm, I really find him physically and sexually attractive or would you want that, that treats you bad or you know a guy that really treats you like a queen and a princess who isn't actually as physically good looking or attractive oh yeah there's some good looking monsters out there <laughs> <laughs> you know everyone thinks shrek is cute <laughs> so you know it's tough it is tough it's, it's getting that fine balance because obviously the, the physical thing is the first thing we notice so there has to be some sort of physical thing but um i think for women that's less important to be honest i think it's the men that are more visual in terms of the where the attraction goes but I think, you know, certainly for me, my experience has been, and certainly with the clients I've dealt with, that, you know, it's it's less so about the physical, as long as there is some sort of, um, you know, flirtatious 
banter going on and uh, that they're attractive in that way that that's usually a good starting point and um certainly for me I can remember in my last relationship I didn't necessarily find him that physically attractive to start with but I tell you what once he kissed me passionately I, I was gone <laughs> I'm oh <healthy>. yeah <laughs> oh yeah the, 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 that 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 first kiss can determine everything <laughs> trust me if it's a bad first kiss there's a lot I've, I've talked to them they're like there's no second date after a bad sex um bad first kiss and there's definitely no sex after a bad first kiss absolutely but isn't it what, what, what's your sort of personal feeling on on women sort of i mean unfortunately today you know women are, are very um easy to think that you know they need to uh, offer sex quite early on in a relationship and I'm very much about you know holding at least it's obviously got to be their decision but you know at least advising caution in that respect in terms of you know make a guy work for it <laughs> you know and, and holding back a bit more like we used to do in the old days not that we want to you know necessarily say the old days were the best they weren't necessarily but I do think around the sex issue you know, it's it's so easy these days for guys to get what they want, and then you know you feel dis- you, you're disposed of in that regard, uh, rather than you know um, getting to really know and court somebody like we used to do in the older days. Yeah, the sexual that's that's a, that's a very interesting question, a very good one. Um, sex to me has always been mutually beneficial, right? So both parties benefit from it. But I will agree that you want to make sure that the moment is right. And I th- I believe that too many people have sex as a confirmation or conclusion to the date. So for example, he bought me dinner, he took me out, so I feel obligated to have sex with him. And that is not how you should view anything. Or on the flip side, the man will say that, okay, she wants to have sex with me, but I have to do this as a prerequisite. I think to your point, Lynn, that people have to work for it, quote unquote, and make sure that it's something you want to do 110% of the time. But before you do so, make sure there's healthy boundaries created. You don't have to have sex on the first date. You don't even have to have sex on the second date. But if you choose to do so, make sure it is appropriate and make sure it is right. And not feel pressure just because a guy's bought you dinner. You know, it's um, it, it's up to him if he chooses to pay for the dinner. I'd, and I, I really like that. I really appreciate that if a guy offers to pay for a meal. And I don't feel obliged to want to jump into bed with him on that premise. But, you know, I think it's always nice then from there onwards to sort of off, at least offer to split the bill, even if he insists he still wants to pay. But, um, you know, it, it isn't a case of um, a give and take, is it, in that regard, that you need to feel obliged to jump into bed with a guy because, just purely be, because he's bought you a meal? Yeah, there isn't that obligation. And what I would say from the very beginning is, and this is probably going to sound a little harsh for those, for those listening, when you're setting up the date, ask yourself the question before you go on the date, and this is for men and women, do you find this person as of today attractive enough to sleep with them if the answer is no reconsider the type of date you're going to have so one of the ways to reconsider that is i'm not going to have the first date at his place or her place after 9 p.m right (laughs) because there's only there's only two things open after 9 p.m legs 
<laughs> and burrito places, okay? <laughs> and the second thing is when you're reconsidering that, maybe a day date is better. Maybe you go for a walk so there's more of a conversation because that's how I have my dates. Let me tell you, Lynn, when I was dating like I was a crazy man out here, <laughs> it was always before a specific time. I didn't do any dates after 5 p.m. And it was always in a very public place because I didn't want to give her any mixed signals, especially if I say, okay, are we going to, do you want to come over at 10 PM at my place? Or if she asked me, okay, do you want to come over here at 11 PM? Because when you're alone and when it's at night, you may feel more obligated, although that may, that is not right to do certain things that you necessarily wouldn't do a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It's very easy to make a bad decision. And then once, once it's done, um, it's it, it, we can live with a bit of regret after that, especially if there's no follow up call or date that happens afterwards. And, and we was really into that person. I agree. I've been on dates where um, certain things have happened and the person has said something or they wanted a little bit more. Actually, I'll share a story. I went on uh, a dinner date. This was years ago. And she she was the daughter of the landlord of the of the condo of the condo that I was renting. So because there was so close in nature, I didn't want anything to do with her. But we went on a date and we had a conversation and she was smart enough. This is what she did, Lynn. She's like, oh, um, is it OK if I use the bathroom in the condo? So this was her way of getting into my condo after the date because I didn't want her to come back. So as she went to the washroom to use it, she came back and she was less dressed than when she went in there, if you know what I mean. Yes. So it caught me off guard and I said, oh, just so you understand, this is not necessarily something that I would want. I appreciate the gesture, but it's not something I want. And looking back on that situation, I could have maybe set stricter boundaries, but I did have that conversation after the fact because- some people in that situation will just go along with it because that's the lesser of two evils. But sometimes just going along with something, as you mentioned, leads to regret. And if the person doesn't call you back, you feel bad. And you have this wide range of emotions that you're experiencing when it was easier just to say, you know what? I'm not ready. Can we continue this on a second or third date? Absolutely. So going back to the topic of success in love terrain, are you in a position where you could share some of your success stories that you've had with your clients? Yeah. So one of the clients I work with, um, I have her, I had her outline some of the things that was preventing her from finding the type of person that she wanted. And in the beginning, it was a little bit more of a, a challenge for her because like many of us, we don't ever write what is wrong with us, <laughs> to be honest, right? So what I did was I rephrased it and I said, okay, what is it that you like about yourself? And out of the things that you like about yourself, how would that impact your next relationship, positively or negatively? And that was a great exercise for her because many of the things that she listed had no bearing on a relationship. And she began to realize that. So, so for example, she said something along the lines as well, I feel that I'm not earning enough money. And then I'll turn around and ask her, I was like, okay, do you believe that money is important to the type of man that you want? And she said, no. So I was like, fine, perfect. So now you understand that money or your income level doesn't impact the type of man that you want. So that's one of the early steps that I have the women that I work with take. That's a really good exercise to do because um, quite often we can get sucked into rabbit holes, which don't have no bearing on how that's going to impact a future relationship at all. 
Yes, yes. You know, we're our hardest and most difficult critic, right? Like we'll say things like, I'm not tall enough. I'm too, I weigh too much. I don't make enough money. But sometimes when you look at the type of person that you want, you begin to realize, hey, they may not care about my height. They may not care about my weight. They may not care about my job. They're looking more for internal things, right? Am I a nice person? Can I inspire them? Am I not going to make them upset? So these are some of the successful steps because you want to make sure that you're highlighting your strengths when you're looking for the type of person that you want. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And we've all got strengths. You know, I don't care who you are. You are in a position where you can list what you like about yourself and what traits you love about yourself and what strengths you've got as part of who you are. And uh, I don't believe there's one single person on the planet that couldn't at least name a few things about themselves that is a great strength that they couldn't make a, a couple of lists around eventually. But just coming up with a few things starts the ball rolling, doesn't it? It does. And it builds your confidence um, because like the women I work with, many of them have not heard anything good for years, right? Like, especially when you're in an abusive relationship, the person many in many ways is putting you down. Either they're talking down to you or they're mistreating you or they're treating you in a way that is going to make you feel less than. So to find the courage to say good things about yourself and then to share those positive qualities is definitely strength and courage building for my clients. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lovely exercise to do and to see them light up and actually think, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about those things about myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like one person, she shared that um, she loves to cook and then I asked her, I was, okay, let's build on that. So what is that you like to look like? And she listed all these things that she likes to cook. And she ran and she got her recipe book. I was like, you see, you had something that you love so much, but it was buried. The, lo the love for it and the passion was buried deep inside you. And the actual book that contained this love and passion was buried somewhere else. You're hiding what you love. And I think that is so unfortunate that many of us hide the things that we love and that we're passionate for. But when you bring that out and you see them light up like you mentioned and you, and you see they're full of smiles and they're so happy to share it that is a true true representation of success absolutely and one of the things i like to reinforce is that we always can take our power back can't we you know it's quite often the case that if we have been in or are currently in a less than healthy relationship we can inadvertently and unconsciously give our power away in thinking that you know what I'm just the victim in this situation and uh, that's what I'll always be rather than thinking you know what I can change that and it's up to me and I do have the power to do that you know I don't have to accept that behavior I can walk away I might need to some help to do so but you know I can do that and I can gain my power back by knowing that I am good enough. I am worthy of love and I am going to go forward and attract healthier relationships. And it is possible. It is. It is. And when you, the beautiful thing about relationships that I find, um, and you probably experiences as well, Lynn, when it's going well, it is such an amazing feeling. Like you feel like you're walking on cloud nine, like everything just makes sense. Like you step outside your house, the sun is shining brighter, the leaves are moving better, you start to see animals play, you see children having fun, everything makes sense. 
And that's the type of life that I want for every single person where when you wake up in the morning, you're smiling. When you go to bed, you're smiling. And in between those two smiles, everything is just radiating positivity. I love that terrain because, um, you know, I think for many of us, that's what we all want, but we don't know how to or we haven't been given the tools or the strategies or the teachings around how to change what we're currently experiencing if we're not living that currently. Oh, yeah. Like coaches need coaches, mentor needs mentors, and everyone in between needs someone. And years ago, when you wanted guidance, you went to, let's say, an elder in the family or someone who's a little bit more experienced. And because of the disconnect in many families, you don't have that types of conversations. But they've taken in the form of somewhere else, such as yourself and me and many others. Someone, I spoke to one of my clients today, actually someone I interviewed, and we we're talking about how years ago we used to give the rose to the lady and said, you know what, Lynn, here's a rose and, you know, I choose you and you're the person I want to be with. Now the physical rose has become like a proverbial one, meaning that instead of giving them a rose to hold in their hand, we're giving them something that represent that. It could be inspiration. It could be hope. It could be a successful life. It could be children. It could be marriage. It could be so many other things. But each of those things are going to lead to success because we are built as human beings to spend time with each other. So why not spend it with someone that's going to make you smile, make you happy, and more importantly, make you feel like you're the best person in the world? Absolutely. And it's about having that same balance in a relationship, you know, so that we're not only, um, you know, we we don't need to put people on pedestals, in other words. In other words, you know, give more than we're receiving. It's about creating that balance so you've got that, equal give and take and you're treating him like your king as much as he's treating you like you're he, he's you're his queen and um you know i think for all of us that's what we'd love to enjoy in a healthy relationship isn't it it is it is like there, there's so many um studies you can go out there and you can search and find out the, the personality type that you are and see some of the um benefits and how compatibility there and then also you can find out what your love language is. And even though this is not me plugging a book, this is just me saying that you need to understand the way that you want to be loved. And once you, once you find out the way that you want to be loved, you have to communicate that to someone else. So for example, I'm the type of person that um, quality of time and, and words of affirmation are important to me. So when I go out there, I try to find someone that wants to spend time, that wants to hang out, that wants to do these things. Also when I could communicate well, And that's how I was able to find success, because if you're with someone who loves gifts and you're not a gift giver, there may be some difficulties there. So it's always understanding how you want to be loved and how you're going to communicate that. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if somebody hasn't got those same top two love languages as their primary love languages. So long as you understand from each other what they are, you can help to facilitate what makes them feel loved, can't you? So for me, you know, mine is physical touch. I love physical touch. So that, that wouldn't necessarily be a barrier to having a relationship with somebody like yourself that had got different love languages. It'd be just letting you know that that's what's my love language. And you could facilitate that for me the same as I could facilitate that for you, for you in terms of what your needs are in terms of your love languages. Oh, yeah. And that, and that's, that's the key that you mentioned there is that 
once you understand how the other person wants to be loved, then you then you're going to be accommodating um, because we don't want to get stuck in our own way. We're saying that, well, you know, Lynn likes to physical touch, but I don't want her around me ever. <laughs> 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 right. But yes, it, it's it's always a give and take. And I would say, Lynn, that's probably something that looking back now is missed where we get so into our own way where it's like, this is the only way that I can love, right? Like back in the day, it was, well, how can Lynn not be happy? There's a roof over her head, her bills are paid and everything else. And then on vice versa it was, how can Trey not be happy? There's warm food on the table every time he comes home. But sometimes it's more than that. And I think the communication is key. It's not that we don't appreciate what you're doing. It's just, I appreciate what you're doing, but this will mean a little bit more to me and seeing how you can do the give and take, as you mentioned. Absolutely. So Trey, for the benefit of the audience that are listening, what is your best contact information? Should anybody want to get in touch with you around, you know, if it's something around the help for women at risk in relationships or success in love? Yeah. So everyone out there who's looking to find love in all the right places, you can reach out to me at www.behindtheshades.ca. That is my website. Visit there. You can book a free session, especially if you're coming from this conversation or from Lynn's, is, um, Lynn's podcast, because we want to make sure that we're helping everyone out there. As well as if you want to email me, it is behindtheshadesinterviews at gmail.com. And I'm on YouTube if you want to see any of my interviews as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. So finally, just to wrap up this particular episode, Terrain, final words of wisdom around finding success in love that you can share with us. Yes. My final words to everyone listening is that you are worthy of love. Show your worthiness. Go out there. Get the type of love that you want and live happily ever after. Yeah. And you know what? You're not alone. If you've not learned um, from your previous relationships how to have healthy love, know that, you know, there are people out here such as Terrain that can guide you and give you those tools. You're not on your own. I 100% would agree with that. We're all in it together, guys. So let's help each other find the type of success and love that we want. Well, thank you so much for ter- today's uh, episode terrain it's been a pleasure as always and no doubt um we'll have future conversations i'd love to invite you to be a guest on a, another episode going forward and uh, many more yes lynn i will always be available to you so whenever it is you want me to come back please reach out and i'll make the time excellent so on that note i'm just going to leave yours with true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time goodbye for now Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.